0: Good to be here and pray that you have had a a blessed week. Uh whoever you are with, family, friends, in-laws, outlaws, whoever they may be. And uh you've shared in that time and uh just the time of rejoicing together. Well, we're kind of in the middle, aren't we? Uh between uh that of the end of Thanksgiving, beginning that of Christmas, and uh of all of these particular things, and uh just thought about what I would preach at this particular time, on this particular day. And I want to ask the question, have you looked at your family tree? Uh, there's been those who have done some ancestral study, genealogical study, these that have been interested in this over the last years. And I'm thankful that we have a word about this, about our Savior in Jesus Christ. And I want to call your attention just to a couple of verses this morning. The first of these are found in Matthew chapter one, verse one. Matthew chapter one, verse one. Let me read this to you. The historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, you ought to be thankful because I'm not going to read all of those names, okay, after that. But skip down, if you would, down to verse 17 of the same chapter. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David until the exile to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the exile to Babylon until the Messiah, 14 Generations. Let me call your attention to one more verse. If you want to look at it, if you can, it's found in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 3, verse 23. The Bible says, Luke says, that as he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be, supposed to be, the son of Joseph, son of Heli. Have you ever given much thought to your ancestry or the roots of your family? Back several years ago, uh, the country song artist, writer, uh, I think he's got a place up in Branson now and um, through the years, but his name is Ray Stevens. He wrote this particular song and the lyrics went this way. And if you know anything about Ray Stevens... You you can know a little bit about his songs. But he said this. Many, many years ago, when I was 23, I was married to a widow who was pretty as could be. Now, the widow had a grown-up daughter who had hair of red. My father fell in love with her, and soon they, too, were wed. Now, this made my dad my son-in-law and really changed my life. For now, my daughter was my mother because she was my father's wife. And to complicate the matter, even though it brought me joy, I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy. Now my little baby then became a brother-in-law to dad, and so became my uncle, though it made me very sad. For if he were my uncle, then that also made him brother of the widow's grown-up daughter, who, of course, was my stepmother. Father's wife that had a son who kept them on the run, and he became my grandchild, for he was my daughter's son. Uh, my wife is now my mother's mother, and it makes me blue because although she is my wife, she's my grandmother too. Now, if my wife is my grandmother, then I'm her grandchild, and every time I think of it, it nearly drives me wild. Because now I have become the strangest case you ever saw, as husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa. (laughs) Well, (laughs) chances are, if you're typical of most people, you or someone in your family has done some some sort of genealogical research, ancestry research, maybe during these past 5, 10, 15, 20 years or so. But to the Jews of Bible times, genealogies were extremely important. Interest in such matters went beyond the realm of curiosity, recreation, uh, meeting psychological needs, or even consideration of family identity and religious uh, solidarity. Now, there were four reasons that... uh, Accurate and complete genealogies were so critical to the ancient Jews. I think they're on the screen, and uh, there are these four main reasons of why they were important. Number one was this. Ancestry determined one's claim on land based on the original tribal allocation of the land of Palestine. Now, you remember that when the Jews, when the Israelites first settled in the Promised Land that God divided the land into parcels for each tribe. This is what we read, especially in the middle and the latter part of the book of Joshua, as God divided up that land to those twelve tribes. Another reason ancestry was so important was this, is that ancestry determined claims to the right of inheritance. That is, is that if a person claimed that he had a right to property, servants, an estate, crops, or other material possessions, the validity of such claims was determined by the genealogies of those involved. We see this especially when we come to the book of Ruth, and especially with uh, uh, the dealings with Boaz, and uh, they're in Ruth chapter 3 and chapter 4. Uh, ancestry allowed for the transfer of property. A third major reason why ancestry was so important is as an ancestor in Israel established the basis of taxation. That when Mary and Joseph went to be taxed there in Luke chapter 2, they traveled to Bethlehem because that was the hometown of David And they were of the house and line of David. Now, Joseph and Mary loved God. They loved the Scripture. They surely knew what the prophets wrote concerning the Messiah's relationship to the line of David. And Mary and Joseph made the journey to receive their tax assessment. The fourth and final reason why ancestry was so important was is that ancestry in uh, ancestry, in any claim to the priesthood, any claim to royalty had to be verified by genealogy. Tucked away in the book of Ezra in Ezra chapter two in verses sixty one through sixty three there are a number of men that are excluded from the priesthood when the records did not verify their claims. So any claim to be king and ultimately Messiah would be rejected if the one making the assertion could not prove that he had the direct lineage from the great King David himself. In the kingdom ruled by God, with its legal statutes outlined in Scripture, Led by God, we know that genealogies were very critical. And so that is why the Jews, why they kept such careful, accurate genealogical records. The genealogies of Jesus Christ in Matthew and in Luke reflect those characteristics. The writer's use of such records demonstrate not only that the Holy Spirit guided them, but also that they had access to actual, verifiable, public records that prove the true and accurate genealogy of the Lord Jesus. Jesus' genealogy makes a crucial contribution to His credentials as Messiah. Uh, If He is to be verified as the King... King David, David's greater son who will rule, yes, then he must have Davidic lineage. Now, Matthew included his genealogy at the first part of his chronological account of the life of Jesus. That's what you have in those first 17 verses as Matthew begins his gospel. But when you come to Luke, by contrast, Luke waited until the end of the third chapter of the gospel to include the genealogy of Jesus. And he placed Jesus' genealogy between the account of Jesus' baptism and then his temptation as a key element of establishing the Messiah's credentials. Now, there are some differences here, and I want us to look at this, okay? One is to look at the differences in the list that you find here. The two genealogies, that one in Matthew, that one in Luke, take direct chronological views of Jesus' family tree. Now you go back some time and you study it this week in your own time of Bible study, but you'll find that Luke, he goes from the present to the past. He begins with Jesus' Grandfather going all the way back to Adam to God the Father himself. Matthew approaches matters in the opposite fashion. He goes from the past to the present starting with Abraham and ending with Jesus. Now, here are two separate but equally inspired and valid versions of the genealogy of our Lord Jesus. Now, look at these differences here. One is is that we see different elements. Uh, some believe that Luke's method gives his genealogy more of a dramatic element than Matthew's. That by starting from the present and working back to the past, Luke the doctor turned historian, theologian, offers us a sense of wonder and excitement as we try to anticipate how far back his genealogy of Jesus will take us. But on the other hand, Matthew's list is much more predictable as it starts with Abraham and traces the Messiah's line forward to Jesus. Matthew's goal in his, in his list was to satisfy the Jews concern about the Messiah's legality. Judaism begins, began with Abraham. Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. Therefore, it was only necessary to prove the Messiah's credentials to the Jews by tracing his line from Abraham through David right down to Jesus. Now, that's more specific than Luke's universal approach, which shows how Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God, links with all humanity clear back to Adam, and finally to God himself. Now, not only are there different elements here, but between the records, there are also different names. You'll find this in your study. Luke traces Jesus' line back to David through Nathan, David's third son born to Bathsheba. But Matthew traces Jesus' line back to David through Solomon, David's firstborn son to Bathsheba. Luke identifies Jesus' grandfather as Heli, whereas Matthew says that his grandfather was a man named Jacob. Finally, there are major differences in the genealogies going from David to Christ. Now, whereas the list of names are identical, from David to Abraham, the two are completely different when you work your way from David to the Lord Jesus. So there's different elements, there's different names, different genealogies. It's amazing that people often struggle to explain the differences in the two, but it, it's really not that different when you look at it. There is certainly no problem with having two genealogies for, G, with, for Jesus. In Matthew, the genealogy is paternal, going through Jesus' earthly foster father, Joseph, and Joseph's father, Jacob, back to David. But in Luke, the genealogy is maternal, going through Jesus' mother, Mary, and Mary's father, Heli, back to David. And when you look at the genealogies this way, the reason for the differences is clear. Everyone, every one of us in this room, don't we? We have two genealogies, don't we? We have one on Papa's side and one on Mama's side. One on granddaddy's side, one on Mima's side. And, And Jesus, like everyone, had a paternal and maternal grandfather. So essentially, Jesus' family tree, in exhibiting certain basic differences, follows the pattern of every human genealogy. The necessity to establish his legal right to the throne of David is another important reason the two gospel writers gave us two forms of Jesus' family tree. And that legal right came through the Father. Matthew's paternal genealogy proved that Jesus came from a line that proceeded from David through Solomon. That proof, that proof itself was true even though Jesus was not the human son of Joseph, because Joseph married Mary. Joseph became the legal father of Jesus, and as a result, Jesus received from Joseph the full legal right to the throne of David. Luke's maternal genealogy further solidifies Jesus' claim to the throne of David by proving that he has the blood of David in his veins, running through his veins because of his mother Mary. So either way, Jesus is a genuine, legitimate descendant of King David. The Messiah is king legally through Joseph. The Messiah is king legally, naturally through Mary. His scriptural credentials are thorough, clear, and irrefutable. For every, from every perspective, we can crown Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. But here's what happened. The religious authorities and all the enemies of Jesus Christ sought to discredit Him as their Messiah. They thought that Jesus of Nazareth, the son of just plain old country folks like Joseph and Mary from Nazareth, that he was their Messiah, was offensive to them, and that's ultimately why they had him killed. That is why Jesus' foes did everything possible to dishonor him, to disqualify him for his messianic claim. Now you think about this. I somehow believe that it's reasonable to assume, and I'm assuming a lot, that soon after the Lord made that claim that he had come from his father, that the Jewish leaders assembled to find the official scroll containing the genealogical information. Well, get this. They would have had to make just a short trip south of Jerusalem, five miles to the town of Bethlehem, where the lineage and the tax records for the line of David were kept. And once they got hold of those records, they could have determined rather quickly if Joseph and Mary's ancestry really was from David. And discovering that Jesus didn't actually belong to the lines of David would have been all that the opponents, the enemies needed to discredit Him as Messiah. And even though Jesus did miracles, He preached, He taught, He claimed to be sent from the Father, discovering that He was not an ancestor of David would have been enough to disprove His messianic claims. And yet, I don't know about you, but it's always striking to me, striking that a study in the New Testament, a study of the New Testament, does not one time report anyone claiming that Jesus didn't come from David. I mean, as much as Jesus' enemies may have wanted to make his ancestry an issue, they never did. That's because the records supported his claim to be the son of david so there was never an official denial that jesus was from the line of david in fact when it came right down to it that when jesus comes to that final week of the passion week that here is what the crowds proclaim during the Passover season, what we know to be Palm Sunday, just before his death when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that Matthew chapter 21 verse 9 says that the crowds proclaim, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest that there was no denying our Lord's rightful ancestry and position of highest honor. Now, think about this. There are the distinctive features also. We've looked at the the differences in the list, but think about the distinctive features. You go read Matthew's list. Matthew's list records five women. Three of these women were adulteresses, and yet all in the lineage of the sinless Son of God. I think it's another picture here, a wonderful picture here of God's grace, of God's love, of God's mercy. Yet Luke's presentation of Jesus' family tree, using the names of Mary's line, contains a couple of fascinating details and highlights. For example, I don't know whether you caught this or not, but the opening verses of the genealogy include the significant expression there in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, where Luke says that Jesus was the Son, so it was thought, or supposed, the son of Joseph. Now, that is a way of saying that Jesus was not actually the son of Joseph, and therefore by implication that Jesus was the son of Mary. And Luke used that phrase, thought, supposed, to confirm to the classic genealogical style of referring to male relatives. Luke wanted to maintain the 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 format of his readers, for his readers. And yet by the implicit reference to Mary, Luke emphasized that his genealogy would follow the line of the mother. All of that counters any false notion that Jesus' genealogy could only be paternal on daddy's side to be valid. But just as important, by indicating that Jesus was not the physical son of Joseph, remember that Luke, a doctor, a physician, once again affirms the Savior's virgin conception, the virgin birth, and birth by the Spirit of the living God. In fact, Luke, a doctor, a physician... Writes more than any other New Testament writer about the virgin birth, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Another feature is this: if you look at Luke chapter three, verse twenty-three, and the following verses, and you look at the the line in some copies, uh, say if you have a New King James version, you'll notice that in front of all of the names but one, that the Son that these are all in italics, or if you have another copy of some other version of Scripture, the, the son" may be in brackets. That means that the Greek text omitted all those occurrences. Listen, only before Joseph's name, you look at it, The sun appear in the original. Without any kind of quotation marks, Any kind of brackets. But why did Luke structure his genealogy that way? Luke, I believe, wanted to separate Joseph's name from the rest of the genealogy. Luke 3, verse 23, literally reads, uh, Jesus himself, the son of Joseph, as was supposed, began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being of Heli. Now, this rendering allowed the original readers to jump directly from Jesus to his earthly grandfather, the father of Mary. Luke maintained the classic male names only format to the genealogy and still underscored that the genealogy was Mary's. Now, by now, tryptophan has kicked in, okay? Some of you are sitting there with a glazed look over your eyes, all right, with all of this information this morning. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're saying, well, so what, okay? Why does all of this matter? Well, the answer is very, very simple. And this is the thesis, the main part of this entire message. A general awareness of the details of Jesus Christ's genealogy helps us appreciate the God-ordained credentials for the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we look at these two lists, when we look at Matthew and Luke's genealogy, we find some basic elements and some things that we can just wrap up and we can take home with us today. So let me just get to, to the direct applications of this message. First and foremost, we know that Luke asserts that Jesus is the Son of God. Adam was the original Son of God by creation. Adam, when created, fully bore the divine image, unmarred, unspoiled, unpolluted, uncorrupted, until he fell into sin. And when that happened, the initial image of God in humanity was shattered. And every one of Adam's descendants, you and I both, have been stained by his original sin and born with a corrupted image of God. But Jesus Christ, virgin born, Jesus came into the world fully pleasing to God as the kind of man Adam once was. Sinless, bearing an absolutely perfect image of the Father, obeying His will in every respect, and as God said there at the baptism of Jesus Christ, that God said, you are my Son, God said, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Luke's genealogy also makes it clear that Jesus is the son of Adam. While on earth, Jesus was uh, fully human and just like his followers, we know that he was tempted, troubled, persecuted, hated, subjected to all the normal difficulties of life. Like Adam, Christ descended from a higher plane to a lower plane. But unlike Adam, he descended into obedience, not disobedience. So Jesus was every bit of what Adam was, fully human, fully attached to the earth as the Son of Man. The writer of Hebrews says that he was tempted in all points as we are, yet he was without sin. And yet Jesus was also firmly connected to heaven as the Son of God. Luke affirms that uh, Jesus in his incarnation at the same time fully God, fully man, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Son of God as to his eternal deity, the Son of Adam as to his humanity. Luke's genealogy Matthew's genealogy attest to a third truth about the person of Jesus Christ Jesus is the son of Abraham that is uh, he was and is the promised seed the, the Apostle Paul helps us with this in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Paul says that the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Then Paul goes on to say, The Scripture does not say, And to seeds, meaning many people, but "and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Christ is the promised seed who will bring about all the blessings of Abraham. And finally, we can say that Jesus is the son of David. This speaks of his royalty, prophet, priest, and king. He is the promised king who will usher in the glory of all the Davidic promises. The angel Gabriel said to the young virgin when he announced to her that what would be within her would be from the Spirit of God. And then Gabriel said these particular words that he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never Ever end. The family tree of Jesus Christ consists far more than just two lines of of ancient Hebrew names. And it is also much more than boring paternal and maternal list of, of Jesus' earthly ancestors. These passages are not just names. What they are, they are footprints. Of God walking through the generations. God never gave up on his, on this, on his plan that this one family united in love, united in eternal life would redeem and save the world. So in time, the genealogies would spiral down from generation to generation to generation until at last came the family of Jesse, from whose line came that line of kings. And then one day, Mary held an infant baby boy in her arms. And from this child would come the completed plan of God. These passages remind us that God is the Father of all who will call and confess Jesus as Lord. I ask you this morning, have you done that? That you have confessed? The Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon Him that He is your Savior? that you serve Him as your Lord, as your Master. And we remember this morning of why He came, of why He came, that He died. And He died for our sin, for all our sin as it was taken upon Him. That His body that was beaten, the shed blood, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us of all our sin. And you see, once you call him Lord, Master, Boss, then you, dear friend, you begin to love the God who sent his son as the final name in a long line. In him is our hope. And in him is our peace. He is God's only begotten Son. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the hope, for the peace that we have because of Jesus Christ. We see, Father, Lord, how you have been at work in past ages. And Lord, continue at work now, even in the life of your church and of your people. But Father, this is a special time to many a special season as we celebrate and remember why Jesus Christ came. We thank you, Father, for this. And Lord God, we see continually your hand at work. So we come to worship as we've worshipped this morning, that we worship in spirit and in truth. And Lord God, to humble our life before the Savior, thanking you, Lord, of why Christ came. Thank you, Lord, for this. As we share, Lord, in this time of remembering why Christ came, may it, Father, be, Lord, that, yes, of remembrance. And, Lord God, that we begin this time, this season, Jesus Christ, Lord, Master, Boss of our life, Lord, we will do what you say. We will be obedient, O God, to you. You will bless the obedience of your people. You will bless the obedience of your church body. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.